0: You should have a handout in front of you. Do you guys all have a handout? If
1: not, they're, right
0: on they're here on the table here. You'll need that to follow along because we're going to, I'm going to share some things based on this chart. <clears throat> Usually when we attend a funeral or when we go to a memorial, we don't talk about how the person died. We talk about how the person lived. And so that's going to be my objective this morning. We're going to look at the seven sayings of Christ as a way of celebrating Resurrection Sunday. And I'm hoping to share some things here that maybe we have not seen before. But before we do, let me open again in prayer. Father, thank you as always for allowing us to assemble on a Sunday morning, a very special Sunday, because all around the world, those who are believers in Christ, we commemorate what your son had accomplished on the cross 2,000 years ago. And because he lives, we will live also. And so, Father, I know many of us have challenges. We have some hardships. We have things that are on our mind. And I just pray that we would would be disciplined enough to lay those aside for the moment so that we can reflect and think about the things that had transpired on our behalf. I ask and pray all of these things through Christ's matchless name. Amen. Okay, the chart here that's in front of you is a compilation chronologically of the seven last words of Christ. And what I'm going to do is comment on specific ones. And I'll have it on the PowerPoint. But there you have it so that you can jot your notes down if you need to. But I'm going to make some observations and you can certainly write them there on the notes as well. But I want you to see on the left side, on the, whether you're looking at the PowerPoint online or the page in front of you. Let me get this going here. We're going to start with Luke 23. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take us through the slides first based on what you have in front of you and then I'm going to comment along the way. I would ask that you pay close attention and make some observations yourself. These are things that you all have seen, I'm sure, in the past, but I'm going to make some comments and share some things that I have seen and see if maybe you have you haven't seen it yourself. So, beginning with Luke 2332. Please observe closely. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through this and I'm going to go back and we're going to talk about this. Okay? so I want you to I don't want the flow to be interrupted, but please pay close attention. There were two other criminals led with him to be put to death. Verse 33 says, And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. So where did they crucify Christ? Calvary. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. So you have a visual. One on the right, one to the left of Christ. Luke 23, 33. 34 says, <clears throat> Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they divided his garments and cast lots. Please notice this particular prayer. You'll understand why I'm asking you to pay attention or to observe this prayer. In your mind's eye, I want you to lock this in in your mind and notice how he prayed here, okay? Okay. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him and saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other thief said, Answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Verse forty two. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Next thing to observe is in John 19. Beginning with 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples, whom he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold, your son. Then he said, verse 27, to the disciple, behold, your mother. From that hour, that disciple took her to his home. Something that's not on your chart, but you'll understand why I put this, are the following verses. The first one is taken from Habakkuk 1.13. You've heard of this, I'm sure. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Another way of saying this, your eyes are so holy you can't look at sin. Have you heard that before? God cannot look at sin. It's taken from Habakkuk 1.13. So please keep this in your mind as we go through the rest of this the slides here. Your eyes cannot look on wickedness. You can't look at sin. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says the following. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him okay we're looking at quite a few verses here but I'm wanting you to reflect on these verses and we're going to go back and make some observations now the sixth hour until the ninth hour there was what darkness over all the land And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you leave me here? How many times did he say it? Twice. Please keep that in mind. next chronologically speaking john 19:28 we're looking at all the verses in its sequence in order as these were unfolding from the perspective of the different authors of the new testament john 19:28 records the following after this jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled said I thirst. So prophecy was fulfilled right here in John 19:28. Verse 30. So when he had received the sour wine because he thirsted, he said, "It is finished." And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the pivot point right here. It is finished. Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And according to Luke's perspective, what he recalled, when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, notice his prayer, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So I'm going to... Go back to the beginning and then comment on this, but I want to see what you guys saw first. Because these are verses that we're all familiar with. So tell me what happened. What did we see? Tell me about the two, two thieves on the cross. What do you guys recall?
1: They were criminals.
0: They were criminals. Very good. What transpired on the cross when they were, all three of them were there? One believed. Do we know that for sure?
1: Yes.
0: How do we know that he believed? Because Jesus' name believed in
1: paradise.
0: Okay, very good. Where's paradise? Sure. Okay. Is that in heaven? No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, very good. What else do we know from the cross, the two thieves? one thought he could get them down okay was that a um, was he confident in that or was he just saying was he kind of mocking him if you are if you are the christ get us down right these are the moments before he gave his spirit what else do we recall what did the thieves say what do you recall about the thieves ah okay one of them said we deserve what we got what else but
1: Jesus didn't
0: but Jesus didn't Jesus didn't didn't deserve what he got which is crucifixion capital punishment at the time okay anything else Rick
1: Um, paradise was still the destination of the saved dead so the Lord Jesus Christ was going there along with the thief.
0: Very good. And where's that? Where's paradise?
1: Uh, I think it's a compartment of Sheol, and it's uh, it's also called Abraham's bosom.
0: Very good. Abraham's bosom, paradise. And I had uh, taken some notes um, from Charles Ryrie because I believe that. Uh, Technically, Hades, where the rich man went, was hell. And uh, Hades is also likened to hell by some, like Dr. Charles Ryrie. R.B. Thiem has something on his Bible dictionary as well that I'll read. But regardless of how you view Hades being, is that equivalent to hell or is that the lake of fire, it is a place of torment that we do know. And just to know just to point out that I want you guys to know that people have um are divided on how to define Hades or Hell or Sheol, Gehenna, all of that is all kind of mixed in. And so but we we'll, we're gonna look at what the text says and I just want you to see what had transpired when Jesus was on the cross because I think this is very, very important for us especially for us, us who are going through hardship and challenges is there hope right what else do we recall so the thief on the cross said what one of the thieves said okay if you can get yourself off the cross do it prove it to us that you are the son what did the other thief say Don't you fear God? You dummy, don't you fear God? So I want you to think about this thief that said a number of things that we're going to point out. Because when we think our evangelism or our witnessing isn't going far, I want you to see that I think this thief knew a lot more than people thought he knew. So, for example, he believed that Jesus was going to rise. And he believes Jesus was going to set up his kingdom. How many of you know about the kingdom? So here's a thief who's on the cross about to die with Christ. He says to the other thief, or he was telling Jesus, remember me When you set up your kingdom. That's kingdom theology. One thousand year millennium. How did this thief know about that? Well, of course he attended National Capital Bible Church. (laughs) This is a thief. How in the world did he ever know about this kingdom? He's telling Jesus, who was bleeding right before their eyes, remember me when you get off the cross and rise from the dead, Remember me when you set up your kingdom. That's a lot of faith, right there, wouldn't you say? What else do we know? He called him God. Did he call him God?
1: Well, in verse forty,
0: he says, "Do you not even fear God?" Oh, okay. Was well, that referring to the Father, you think, or the Son, God the Son? Yes. Do you not even fear God? Okay, what happened when he cried out? Why did you abandon me? Remember that? Who was he addressing? That's right. Both. My God, the Father. My God, the Holy Spirit. The triune Godhead was right there in view. My God, my God, my God the Father, my God the Holy Spirit. Why hast thou abandoned me? From the standpoint of his humanity, he felt abandoned. Why did he feel abandoned?
1: Because he had never been
0: You've never been separated before. What was happening during those three hours? Sin, sin were being imputed. imputed onto the person of Christ. I had specifically inserted two verses in there. What, what does the scripture say in Habakkuk? He can't look at, he can't look at sin. sin or evil. What had happened when Jesus was on the cross for those three hours? What was over him? Darkness. Darkness. Why? God couldn't look on sin. sin. So that was a, a buffer between God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. God could not look at sin. We know that God can see everything. He knows all things. He's everywhere at the same time. But I think that's just a visual for us to see that God is treating Jesus Christ as sin. Not that he is sin. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians 5:21 says? Anything else? What about the prayer of Jesus?
1: At the start, you mean?
0: At the start and at the end.
1: Well, you know, <clears throat> uh, I wonder what would have happened had he not said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could have wiped out the whole Roman army.
0: <laughs> he could have. But how did he call God?
1: Uh, he said, uh, "My."
0: Father. So please notice, he calls him what? I'm sorry, he calls him father. father. What does he call him at the end? Father. Father. What does he call him in the middle?
1: My God.
0: Why the shift? They were separated. They were separated. When sin is a part of one's life, the fellowship has been hampered. So while he was in the front and his clothings were being ca- they were casting lots for his clothings he says in his humanity father forgive them they know not what they do leaving us an example of when people treat us ill we can pray for them but his fellowship was intact because he calls them father but in the middle Because sin was now on Christ Not of his own doing But because of ours There's a shift in his approach to the Father and the Holy Spirit Calls him God And when the sin debt was paid for on the cross In the end when he gave his spirit He resumes His communication with the Father by calling him Father Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Because before he said that, what did he say? Tetelestai! It is finished. finished. What does that
1: mean?
0: Hmm? The debt is paid. The debt is paid. Perfect tense, passive voice, indicative mood. It has ongoing results for all of us. It's completed 2,000 years ago and it continues to be ours. It is finished. So after the sins were paid for, Jesus then resumes with the communication with the Father. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. By the way, where did he go when he died?
1: Outstairs. <laughs>
0: there it Depends. Was Jesus trichotomous, dichotomous?
1: Was it a trichotomous separation?
0: The I would Lord. think so. I think so. We have that in. I
1: remember that from years ago. Um, what
0: was his prayer, Rick? Father, into thy your hands.
1: hands I commend my spirit.
0: There's a spirit.
1: So the spirit the
0: Where'd the body go? In the grave. Where did his soul go? There you go. Three ways. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. His body went in the grave for how long? Three days. Where did his soul go? I. People always look at me funny when I say hell. Hades. But think about this. He went down and the different compartments, Tartarus... Uh, and we can go into, we'll look into this in the future, but he went into the depths of the earth, the scripture says, and we'll look at this in just a moment. But his body went into the grave, his soul went down to paradise. How do we know that? He told the thief, today we're going to be hanging out in paradise and that's not heaven. Some have equated paradise with heaven Why can't that be true though? Because the sins were not paid for yet. It was not finished at that point. Remember? Please notice the chronology. When he was talking to the thief on the cross, did Jesus pay the sin debt yet? No, not yet. It wasn't until he said at the very end, Father, it is finished to tell us die. But prior to that, not yet. So nobody could precede Jesus Christ to heaven. He had to be the one to take the first fruits with him. He had to pay the sin debt first. Scripture says in Ephesians that he descended into hell and took the spirits with him, right? So that's why, that's the Apostles', Apostles Creed. But that... Mm-hmm. So he goes down, He said he goes down to hell to let the captives free. That's right.
1: Not the ones in Hades, but in the ones in Abraham's bosom. That's
0: right, in Abraham's bosom.
1: Okay, so when you well, said hell...
0: You yeah, I know that's... Like, could be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's why um, I'll read. In fact, let me just so that I don't nobody throws tomatoes at me. (laughs) I want you to read what, uh, hear what Doctor Charles Ryrie from his book Survey of Bible Doctrine says. In the New Testament, there are three words which relate to the doctrine of hell. Hades is the equivalent to Sheol. And is the place where the unsaved people go when they die to await the resurrection and judgment at the great white throne. Hades is a temporary, is temporary in that it will cast into, it will be cast into the lake of fire. Tartarus, second Peter two four, occurs only one time and describes the place where certain fallen angels are confined. Gehenna and Matthew uh, in in 2 Kings 23.10 and Matthew 10.28 was a common refuse dump and a place of perpetual fire and lo- loathsomeness and the valley of Jerusalem, which illustrates the fire and awfulness of the lake of fire. Hell is conceived as a place of outer darkness, Matthew 8.12, eternal torment and punishment. So you can see that these men equate Hades to hell or torments. So there are several compartments and Colonel Theme breaks it down like this. Hades is an unknown place, invisible world, a vast realm where the human dead and certain fallen angels reside. And Hades consists of the following four compartments. Paradise, the place where the departed Old Testament believers resided until the resurrection of Christ. There's a place, a compartment called torments, the place of fire and agony where unbelievers are temporarily reside after death. Unbelievers remain in torments until the last judgment when they will be resurrected and judged. And then there's a place, a compartment called the abyss. So you've got Hades consisting of paradise, torments, Tartarus, and the abyss. Okay. So I like to keep it simple by just saying Hades is equivalent to hell. And in hell, when Jesus descended, there was two specific locations as as clearly depicted in Luke 16. The rich man and Lazarus. Do you remember that? Let's go to Luke chapter 16. Luke always good to have your Bibles with you Luke sixteen nineteen. I'll read it for the recording. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. Luke we're looking at Luke sixteen nineteen. A certain man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, so he was styling. He fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs. He did not eat the crumbs, as many commentators say. What does it say in the text? He wanted to, desiring to be fed with the crumbs. He didn't eat the crumbs. He wanted to eat the crumbs. He was so hungry, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. There's that word, Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, being in torments in where? Hades. You see that? Luke 16. 23, being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. So there's a visual. What did he do? From his perspective, he lifted up his eyes. So there's a a difference in location based on what we have here in Luke 16. Being in torments in Hades or hell, he lifted his eyes. So here he is, he's standing here he lifts his eyes and he's in what? Torments. He's suffering in flames. He's in torments in Hades. He lifted his eyes and who did he see? Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and, Lazar- and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my what? My tongue. Why? Because I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he's comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fix. So that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said to you, I beg you, therefore, father, that you send him to my father's house. Why does he want Lazarus to go to his father's house? Because I have five brothers that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Saying, look, even if Lazarus were to come back and speak to them, they wouldn't be persuaded if he were to rise from the dead. Does that sound like Christ?" type of Christ so what do we get from Luke 16 two individuals what's their names yeah. Lazarus. Lazarus and rich the rich man we don't know the rich man's name they both died how did they get to Hades or hell the, a- angels, prepared. the, angels, took
1: right.
0: Abraham, the angels took who
1: Lazarus,
0: Lazarus. The only thing it says about the rich man is that he died. He, he was not, there's no chauffeur for him. Right? He died.
1: They both had interim bodies.
0: They did. They both had interim bodies. But the interim body, according to the rich man, what was he experiencing in his interim body? Torment. Torments. What did he say that gave us a hint that he was in, he was very uncomfortable there? There was fire and flames there, and what did he say to cool himself? What did he thought? What did he think would help him ease the pain? So we know two things: this place called Hades has fire, and right across, elevated because his eyes, he lifted up his eyes. So there's a visual that he's down below. He lifted his eyes, and who did he see? Abraham and Lazarus. So he was lower than they were. He looks up and he sees them and he says, look, I'm consumed in these flames. Can you send him to me? Have him dip his finger in water and have him touch my what? Would that, would that help you? How many of you, when you're thirsty, just a little dab like that would help? No way. I need a bottle, <laughs> right? But here he is, he's consumed in flames, and so he's, he thinks even just a dip of water on his tongue will suffice. That's serious heat. That's serious heat. That's why, Theron, we got to keep that Good News Club Go on, man. We need those kids to acquiesce to Christ. And you guys are doing a great job. But so here's rich man and Lazarus. Two locations in Hades, whether you equate Hades with hell or not. We do know two things. There's flames on one side and on an elevated side, what's on the other side? Paradise or water. Agua. So there's, in Hades, there's flames and water. Which side are you going to go to depends on what you do with God. Remember in the Old Testament, it was belief in God. There was no Christ yet. Not in the sense that we know Him in the New Testament. It was accounted, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, the scripture says. So their faith was in God. We often say that they look forward to Christ, we look back to Christ, right? It's still faith. The component is the same faith. But in this place called Hades or hell, there was a place that had fire, and a place on the other side which was elevated higher than where they were in the flames that had water. And what did Jesus say to the thief? Today you will be with me in paradise. And where's paradise? The elevated part of hell or Hades where the water was. You're going with me. I will see you down there in Hades, in hell. Don't worry you're not going to burn because like Bill said you believed in me. We can we can get that when you look at the words of the thief, right? You sent you get that sense. So let's look at the verses now. So here we are Luke 23:32 there were two other criminals who were led with him to be put to death. And it says in verse 33 And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals Uh, one on the right and the other on the left. Notice, Jesus said, "Father, this is the beginning." When He was still on the cross and He has not paid the sin debt yet, the prayer of Christ is seen with the words, "Father." Luke 23:34. We can still approach God when we're in fellowship, which is why we usually start our Sundays off with 1 John 1:9. 1, Here. He's still in the clear. No sin has been imputed onto Christ yet. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. I get it. No, you get it. No, whoever wins. They were casting lots for his garments. Then we have the following. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ... Save yourself and us. Come on, Messiah, King of the Jews. If you are the Christ, and I don't believe you are, save yourself and save us while you're at it. Verse 40. But the other saying, the other answering rebuked him saying, do not, do you not even fear God? Do you not even fear God seeing you are under the same condemnation? Hey, shut up, man. Don't you fear God? How dare you talk to him like that? So right here, he's already admitting his belief in God. This thief, at least. The other thief said, if you are, get off the cross and save us while you're at it. Here, this thief on the right side said, Don't you even fear God? Think about today. This thief is doing much better than many today. Why do I say that? Many don't even fear God today. Many don't even believe in God today. Here, this thief at least fears God. He's doing a lot better than Many people today. Not only did he fear God, he admitted his guilt. And he even said, as we saw earlier, he did nothing wrong. So think about this in practical use, practical application. Don't ever think your sharing is in vain. When you're doing the Good News Club and you think the kids are not listening... You'll be surprised later on when the kids say, I want, I wrote this for you. We believe in Jesus now. You'll never know. Just keep hammering away. Keep planting the seed. This thief knew a lot more than what, what we thought he knew. He knew that he was not guilty. He knew about a kingdom that Jesus was going to set up. And he said, remember me when you set up your kingdom. So he knew quite a bit just based on the words of Luke 23. Look at 41. We indeed justly for we received a due reward of our deeds. We deserve what we're getting. But notice what the, he, the thief says here. But this man has done what? Nothing wrong. How did he know Jesus did nothing wrong? He's on the cross himself, the thief. And they're jeering and mocking Jesus. Take yourself off the cross, King of the Jews. So he's up there crucified alongside Jesus with the other thief. And he said, this man did nothing wrong. How did he know? He must have heard that before he got on the cross. Which suggests... When we talk to others, don't ever think that you're wasting your time. People are listening, whether you're talking to them directly or they're... This guy probably was pickpocketing someone and he heard um, Marty and Bill having a Bible study. He's pickpocketing a guy and he heard about this kingdom. Oh yeah, Jesus is going to set up his kingdom, but it's going to be after the seven year tribulation. Are you telling me you're pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib? Ah, pre-trib. <laughs> this guy heard and he said, look, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. This man did nothing wrong, but we do, we're, re- we, what we're receiving is what we deserve. But this man did nothing wrong. And then look what it says next. Then he said to Jesus, I love this. Lord, remember me when you come into what? That implies two things. What are the two things here from Luke twenty three forty two? What does this imply? Think about the time. Where are they at when, when the thief said this? What does this imply? Luke twenty-three forty-two. And he knows Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, he knows that and Jesus is a Messiah. That he's the, the king okay. into his kingdom. Okay. He's gonna rise from the dead. From the dead. Mm-hmm. What else aside from rising from the dead?
1: He also says Lord, which indicates that he had green.
0: Yeah. Very good. You see that? Right there in 42. So he addresses him as Lord. He believes he's gonna rise from the dead. But we also know that he believes in the kingdom. He's not even talking about heaven. He's on the cross crucified in excruciating pain, I'm sure. And here he is having a conversation with the person that they're mocking. The people are mocking says, Lord, you know, let me just gather up the strength to say this. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. When you get out of the cross and when you rise and set up your kingdom, please remember me. There's a lot in this one verse. He's talking to Jesus Christ, who is right next to him, also pinned on the cross. Can do nothing at the moment. Were the sins being judged yet? Nope. nope. Not yet. And what was Jesus' response to the thief on the cross? What does this suggest?
1: That immediately he'll be
0: in paradise. Immediately. In fact, do we know when? That day. Today. Uh, today, not tomorrow. You will be with me in paradise. Not heaven, paradise. Where's paradise? Abraham's bosom. What's in Abraham's bosom? Sparkling's water. Sparklets water. (laughs) On the other side is flames. Remember? Luke 16. We saw what it's like in Hades or hell. It was elevated from the standpoint of where the rich man was. He had to lift his eyes up. But we know it's within shouting distance because he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. So they imagine this, okay? He's in what? He's tormented by what? And who is he talking to? How is he talking to them? He he looks up. So he can see... Abraham and Lazarus, probably others too. What do we know about where they were? What did the angel say? What did Abraham say about crossing over? Hmm? You can't, why? (laughs) There's a great gulf. There's a great chasm between us. So those over there can't come here and those over here can't go there. See all the details? Observe, observe, observe what's in the text. We know that there's an elevation that Abraham's bosom consisted of a higher place which had water whereas the other side had flames. So he's looking up in torments and he says, help me out. Can you send Lazarus over here? No, sorry. Why not? Because there's a great gulf fix between us so that those over there can't come here and those over here can't go there. Well then, oh my God, here's we have a real problem. Houston, we have a problem. Look, tell you what, can you send him to my father's house? Why? Because I have five brothers. I don't want them to go here. Please send him, because if they, if he comes back from the dead, they'll certainly listen to him. No they won't, no they won't. They have Moses and the prophets, they have this. They have the Old Testament, they have the Bible. There's enough information in the Old Testament to get a person to believe in God. Sorry, rich man. Remember you had your days. Remember, Lazarus had his days. Remember, he was at your gate wanting to eat the crumbs from your table. All that time you ignored him. We can't, sorry. Even if someone were to rise from the dead, they won't listen. That's speaking, I think, of Christ. We see that today, do we not? Even if Jesus were to rise from the dead, many would not come to faith. Those five brothers would not. So details, observe, observe, observe. Hades consisted of two locations where Jesus went just after he was on the cross. Trichotomous: Jesus went three locations. Father, into Thy hands I commit my spirit. Body went into the soul. Uh body went into the grave. Soul went down to paradise. Who was in paradise? Old Testament saints. Old Testament saints, but according to Luke, we know at least two people. Lazarus, Lazarus rich man. Oh. You said paradise. Oh. what Abraham? Yeah. Right? So he descended into hell or Hades there's two locations place with torments place with water and the place with water was elevated okay and we know that if you're in the place of torments there's suffering there so much so that he the rich man thought that even just a dab of water will suffice that means that it's excruciating that means people can feel the pain there And guess what? Look at, turn to Revelation twenty. And if someone could read thirteen to fifteen, please. Revelation twenty. 13 to 15. I want you to see something that I'm sure you probably have seen, but just for the sake of the recording and discussion during our service today. Revelation 20, 13 to 15, if someone can just read it out loud as if... And the
1: sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, uh, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, it was thrown into the lake of fire.
0: So how does a person get to the lake of fire? If they're not written in the book of life. If they're not in the book of life or they're in Hades hell, Hades. What happens at the end? Hades itself, the torments, is going to be hurled into what? Lake of fire. It's far more intense. It's the difference between a city jail and the penitentiary. Penitentiary is worse. The lake of fire is worse. Death and Hades were hurled into the lake of fire. And it says... That the sea, meaning the people who have drowned Gave up the dead who were in it And death, or the graves, and Hades Were delivered up delivered up the dead who were in them And they were judged according to their what? Their works, their deeds Not their sins This is the great white throne judgment So why were they judged by their deeds? they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. Have you ever talked to someone and you're sharing your faith and uh, Austin, you know what? If you die today, where do you think you'd go? Well, I'm not a bad person. I I feed pigeons. I pay my taxes on time. I have never murdered anybody. You ever heard that before? They're going to be able to show up, show off their good works. In fact, Jesus is going to have the books open. The books were open. Three books, at least. The books, plural, and the book of life. And those whose names were not written in the book of life were what? Cast into the lake of fire. Along with those who rejected Jesus Christ, those who were in Hades, those who were in hell, were emptied into the lake of fire. And we're told that these people standing there will be able to show off their works They will be judged by their works and they will stand before the living God and Jesus Christ is going to say, Minus R. What's minus R mean? No righteousness. No righteousness has been been imputed to the person. So therefore, depart from me. I never knew you. They're going to be hurled into the lake of fire where hell and the graves are sent as well those who were without Christ so today you will be with me in paradise Luke 23 43 so Matthew 1240 can someone read that we I just want you to see what it says as far as his body is concerned and even his soul he was what does Matthew 1240 say is that
1: just
0: Jonah, mm-hmm He will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Hades or hell was in the heart of the earth. Well, we know as far as time wise, Jesus was going to be gone for three days and three nights because he identifies Jonah as being in the belly of this giant fish where he had his prayer from within the belly of the fish so today you will be with me in paradise and then here i want you to notice something else jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved who's the disciple whom jesus loved John. that's right john so please notice something here i want to bring something out He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. So Jesus saw the disciple he loved, which is John, the author of the gospel, and told his mother that John was now her son. Please look at the verse. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. He said that after the disciple whom Jesus, Jesus saw his mother and the disciple, John, whom he loved standing by, right? And he said to his mother, woman, that's a polite way back then of saying, a cordial way of addressing his mom. It's not disrespectful. Behold your son. He's now looking at John. This is now going to be your son. He is going to take over. Jesus Christ, the son who is going to, who normally, as the oldest, would take care of the mom, is now passing the baton to John. So, so there's something here that I want to bring out. <clears throat> so he entrusted John to take care of his mother, rather than one of his biological, rather than one of her biological sons because they had not yet believed in him. Look at Matthew 7, 5. Oh, wait. Uh, is it? I think it's John. I'm sorry. John 7, 5. Can someone read it?
1: We're not even
0: Not even his brothers were believing in him. So he's passing the responsibility to John at this juncture, John 19. And can we also turn to Matthew 12? That's what I meant to say that for this Matthew 12. I want to connect something here, which I think is very important that we may not have seen. Maybe we have Matthew twelve forty six, And if someone can read it, 46 to 50, please. And listen carefully to what is said here. Matthew 12, 46 to 50. While he was still speaking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, seeking to speak to you. But he answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Behold my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister. You see the dynamic there? The spiritual relationship. The believers. Who's his brother and who's his mother? That's right. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother even. So now, going back to John 19.26, he's telling John... Uh Well, I'll switch you to the next verse. First, it says, Woman, behold your son. Verse 27. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. She's now your mom. And look at what it says in 27. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. He took care of her now. What's my point? Well... Spiritual relationships are to take precedence over biological and physical relationships. As seen in Matthew 12 and here. What is it? What am I saying? We're a family here. We should take care of each other. Who's my brother? Who's my sister? Who's my mom? Right here. This is why the church is called a church family. This is why we need each other. And we need to recognize that. We don't operate as lone rangers. We come together so that when there's a need, we can help. We're not trying to get into your business, but when there's a need, we can help each other. Look at what Jesus said to John, the disciple whom he loved. This is your mom. Mother, woman, this is your son. I'm about to go on the cross. I'm going to die. And I have other further business to take care of. So in the meantime, he's now your son. He's going to take care of you. And that disciple took her to his own home. So sometimes, spiritual family, well, according to Jesus in Matthew 12, spiritual family takes precedence over biological family. Not because you don't love them, but because we're family. And sometimes there's a A deeper level that only spiritual family understands. Isn't that not true? Sometimes we get along with our spiritual family more than our own biological family. We war with our biological family, right? You didn't call me for my birthday. We get mad. But Jesus elevates the spiritual family here in Matthew 12 and John 19, he says, you're going to take care of her now. She's your mom. And this is now your son, John. John, this is your mom. Mom, this is your son. All I'm saying is, there is an emphasis on the spiritual family that I don't think we've seen before. And we need to to notice that. That's very, very critical. You are of pure eyes then to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. So we'll just go through this real quickly here. Remember Habakkuk 1.13, God cannot look at sin. And then we're also told uh, the reason why he became sin for us is 2 Corinthians 5.21, which says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And that word to be is not even in the original. It was inserted there, but it'll flow easier. So it should read, for he who made him who knew no sin to be it, for he made him who knew no sin sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the reason why he went on the cross is so that we might become the righteousness of God through the person of Christ. That's the reason why there was a darkness, there was an imputing of sin to the person of Christ, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, thus allowing us to have rapport now with Heavenly Father. Because without the righteousness that comes from him, we have nothing. We have nothing. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. Matthew twenty-seven forty-five. So, there's that covering once again. This is now the sins were being imputed onto the person of Christ. Then, about the ninth hour, which is about three p.m. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is his prayer here where there's a shift in the how he addresses the Father and the Holy Spirit. He now calls them God. And we saw in the beginning how he addresses the Father as Father and in the end, it resumes back to Father, my God, my God, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, "I thirst." It's taken from John 19:28, which is a, it fulfills Psalm 69:21. Psalm 6921, a fulfillment of Psalm 6921, where it says, He thirsts. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, It is finished. This is where He gave up His spirit. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands. So notice, what is he giving? The spirit, his spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So no one took his life. He gave it himself. He was responsible for it. And after it was finished, he surrendered himself. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So Trichotomist Jesus Spirit went up to the father, body went into the grave, soul went to paradise, Abraham's bosom. So let me just um, close in prayer, and then that will conclude our study for today. Father, thank you as always for giving us hope. Thank you for reminding us that your son has risen, And, Father, today we did something a little different. We just observed the last seven words of Christ before he went into the tomb and descended into hell to take the spirits and to ascend and to be seated at the right hand of yours. I pray, Father, that as we continue to assemble each and every Sunday, that we would... uh, be familiar and serious students of your word because we know the Bible is rich. We're told that you have elevated your word even above your name. And that says quite a bit, Father. So I hope and trust that everyone listening to this would do just the same, that they would elevate the word of God before anything else, that we are to study and show ourselves to prove the workman that does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and father thank you for reminding us that our faith is not in vain that he is risen and because he is risen we will live also so if there's anybody going through hardship or challenges may we be reminded that this is all temporal one day we will be with you for it was your son who said i need to go so that i can prepare a place for you in my father's house are many mansions Thank you, Father, for hearing us. We love you, and we know that you have loved us because you've demonstrated this on the cross 2,000 years ago. We ask and pray all of these things to Christ's matchless name in which we pray. Amen.